Hey, NoosaCast listeners, you can find every episode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Please help us grow by subscribing or sharing the NoosaCast or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Now, let's get this show on the road. Yeah, our, our hockey coach tells me all the time, he's like, you guys are crazy. He's like, I'll jump in front of a puck, but I don't want to get hit by that stick. Welcome to the NoosaCast. What is a NoosaCast? It's where we bring local folk stories to life through conversation. All right, NoosaCast listeners, welcome to episode 14. Uh, We have an exciting, uh, I, I think it's an exciting interview. You know, anytime you have somebody who is starting a brand new college program and it's right here in the Fox Valley, I think that's exciting. I think it's going to be a it's a great interview with Coach Mike Zadraga at Lawrence starting the brand new uh, lacrosse program, Joe. A blank slate, Tosh, and talking our favorite subject, lacrosse. I mean, let's go. Playing the Bonta Bowl. Well, I mean, that's a perfect setting. Look, yeah. I feel like Lawrence was built to have a lacrosse team. You know, and a... In the interview, if when you listen to that, you're going to hear about that too, because Lawrence has such an academic background that you look at a lot of the schools from D3 into D1, they have very high academic standards and they have these lacrosse programs at these schools like that. So um, Coach Sadraga really thought that Lawrence is prime for that and they'll be able to recruit the people that he wants. Well, Tosh, I, all I know is I'm in the half that make the top half possible. <laughs> that's that's true uh what do the the kelsey brothers say the 92 percenters <laughs> there you go <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah it's a it's going to be a good episode uh we're very excited about it and you know i think uh it gives us a chance to kind of highlight lawrence university in this episode so not only are you going to hear about lawrence from coach zadraga you're going to hear about lawrence from us we're going to take a little look at the history of it Um, We're going to take a little look at a bunch of different things with Lawrence and really kind of enjoy uh, what was happening. But the one thing I do want to talk about before we get started with everything, Joe, is uh, Oktoberfest this weekend. Yes. What an amazing crowd. Another another record crowd. Oh, one of my favorite sites really of of Appleton is when you're up on the hill, maybe maybe around Cleo's or. corner superior in college and there's sort of the you know there used to be a ravine there so you're a little bit elevated looking down yeah. at just the sea of people all the way to state street is just one of the coolest things and man what a day that was it was it was warm but it was cloudy so you, yeah. the sun wasn't beating on you all day and that was uh and music right. is always fantastic the food I mean, it's just like we, we said in the in the last episode that that might be the top day of of just eating if you really wanted to i mean you could literally start <laughs> on one end and go to the other and oh, just yeah. you know it's it's epcot center really i did not hear what the uh what the crowd was but i know it was over 100,000 people i i thought i saw it even at the two with a two handle like 200 something two? but i i could be wrong wow. uh, but i I'm quite certain I saw the word record in there. And 
you know, I mean, I, I work at the post office, so obviously we're, we're down there that day, and it was it was a zoo up up. You know, we're four blocks north of there, and it was it was tough to maneuver. Yeah. They also had a great crowd for the license to cruise for the car yes. show. Um, had some beautiful vehicles down there. You know, five hundred thousand plus vehicles. Uh, a Ford GT that a couple McLarens. My students told me uh, I didn't make it down, but I tried to get across town and made the mistake of going through the city instead of taking the construction. <laughs> After picking my son up at FEL, and yeah, that was a mistake. <laughs> so Tosh, I had the opposite experience. Friday afternoon, I take half days on Friday so I can go ref football. And as if I said before, I I ride my bike, and I had to make a stop on College Avenue, and I did that. And it's about twelve thirty, and the avenue is completely closed. The cars are lined up on State Street. I'm on the avenue. I need to get over near City Park. There's nobody on College Avenue. It's completely closed. I started pedaling <laughs> my bike. I should have videotaped this because I'm just flying right down the yellow line, right down the middle of College Avenue. You know, please have the the, the streets closed. There's <laughs> just literally nobody on the avenue. And I, I rode that all the way to Drew Street. And it was for that four minutes or whatever that was, it was pure glee. It was literally a license to cruise for you. <laughs> it was. It, it was incredible. <laughs> it was perfect timing. That was awesome. And I, I'd have to say this as well. How did uh, homecoming pictures go? Those went very well as well. You know, it, uh, time flies, Tash. Time definitely flies. So, <laughs> yeah, I we've, I mean, we've got homecoming this week at FBL. Yes. So. I'll be doing that on Saturday as well. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> Amelia was beautiful, and and there's some great pictures. Yeah, and that you know, this time of year, if you have Facebook and in, in your our age, is there's no doubt it's flooded with with Hoko pictures, right? Right, absolutely, absolutely is. I do have something to touch base on because this just uh, kind of floored me. So this week, 41 years ago, Sony came out with the first CD player. Oh wow! It cost one thousand one hundred dollars. Nice. 41 years ago you don't even get a cd player in your vehicle anymore yeah i mean we lived through all of that that it's amazing how fast technology is moving um in particular that i mean that's a prime example right you, you go from that sony right. and then it gets down to a walkman size and from tape to cd yep. to you know remember this this tiny little ipods that you used to have in the beginning and <laughs> exactly you know, now now to what we have and Guys like you and me yep. now can talk into your ear. I mean, like it or not, you hear right. us. So, right. well, I think this is a great spot where we can transition right into our old look at new. Absolutely, Tosh. I love this segment. I think it's become yours and mine favorite subject where we we take a look at a little bit of history. We, you know, what, what's around northeastern Wisconsin and and. Usually, you and I bring a bring a topic to the table, but for this episode, we decided to kind of tag team this one. It was we thought it was appropriate. We had Coach Zadragas coming up here in a, in a couple of minutes, and we thought, you know what? Let's talk about Lawrence. This beautiful campus, um, really the anchor of downtown College Avenue. It's been there as long as Appleton has been here. It's one of the first things that that was ever here was. And, and still here, the you know the, the chapel and the the main building. I mean, those are some of the first structures of, of Appleton. Um, so we thought, you know what, you and I are going to take a look at Lawrence. Yeah, you know, Lawrence is a crown jewel of of this area. It, it's been often called, uh, you know, the Harvard of the Midwest. Um, it's it's traditionally known as one of the top schools in the entire country. And you know, living in Appleton, I don't think I think we take it for granted. 
uh, that what a good school it is and what a quality education you get coming out of Lawrence University. So I, I think it's appropriate, Joe, that we take a little closer look at a little bit of history. Um, I'll let you go, Joe, and see uh, see what you have first. Yeah, well, the, the school, the university was chartered on January 17th, 1847. And at that time, it was the second co-ed college in America. So I think that's pretty cool. That is. It's amazing. It took about 50 years or so, but uh, Ormsby Hall became it was built uh, as the first women's dorm. Um, in fact, there's a really excellent book that um, – I sometimes use for an old look at new, a little trick that I, uh, I'm now sharing with Tosh. But uh, it was written by Ellen Court, who's you know, is a great poet and just – I think they're building a park you know, after her down, down on the river. Uh, but she wrote a book called The Fox Heritage, and it has some great photos of, of, uh, of, of a lot of the history of Appleton. And it, it has you know, 1894 um, – Right in front of Ormsby Hall, there was the the Lawrence uh, Women's Bicycle Club, and it's it's an awesome photo of about twenty. <laughs> there's got to be thirty bikes, women, you know, in their hats and dresses, but they're on their bikes, and you know, that's eighteen ninety four, and and when those buildings are still standing, so that's that's just cool as hell in my eyes. That is pretty crazy, and and to kind of continue with this whole theme of Lawrence. Um, I'm going back to 1965, so a little bit closer uh, to where we are today. But 1965 was the opening of what was then known as the Lawrence Bowl. And it then became, in 1978, uh, it was known, it became uh, renamed as the Bonta Bowl, uh, which was named after George Bonta Jr. And uh, it was, well, it was, it was his generosity that put that place together. And, and after Bonta's death in his honor in September 23rd, 1978, they uh, named it the Bonta Bowl. And now in the last few years, we have seen it have a revival again. And in 2015, uh, it became known as Ron Roberts Field at the Bonza Bowl, named after longtime legendary head coach Ron Roberts, who took the Lawrence football program to new heights during his career with uh, Midwest Conference championships. Uh, uh, they actually went into the playoffs, D3 playoffs a couple times. They had an awesome running back, Scott Reppert. Scott yeah. Reppert, yeah. It's, it's interesting that you're right. Ron Roberts was so good back in, back in those years, the 70s, maybe early 80s, and then you just yeah. Lawrence. It, it's been it's been a struggle ever since, and I know there's a lot of different challenges. And, and Coach Zadraga talks about some of those challenges, but it's just just curious, and it's 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 interesting. Yeah, it is. You know, it's it's a beautiful field. Um, I I truly think it's one of the one of the most awesome fields in D three football yes. oh, for yeah. sure. And they're going to have with it now. They have the ability to play soccer. They have the ability to play lacrosse and football on that same field. New locker rooms yeah. going in for the uh, Lawrence team, um, for for the new lacrosse team. It's it's a beautiful place. I've been there to see lacrosse. I've been there to watch high school football and college football as yes. well. So and right above it, uh, right up on the bluff, right above it, they just built a new track, a lighted track up there too. Yep. And I heard that they're in the process, and the next phase will be new softball and baseball fields oh, as well. How sweet will that be? Yeah. So a little bit of a. Uh, money going into their athletic programs which is which is and great. they're also if, if if we bring it back over to college avenue right there the corner of uh 
the southwest corner of Drew and College, uh, where, where the old Taste of Thai was. That that building is down now, and that Lawrence is is redeveloping that corner. And I think the art museum is is going to go in there as well. Uh, but that's going to be pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, I love, you know, if you cross the street, they just built that that new arched way leading in. I mean, Lawrence's yep. campus is. I've always loved it. It's beautiful. I mean, if, if you're ever looking just for a place to walk, walk through the campus. That You can get beautiful views Absolutely. of the river. There's spots to stop if you want. Yep. There's cool bridges. It, it's a lovely campus. That's an old look at new, and we're going to go right into the episode where uh, you get to hear the excitement of a new program starting with Lawrence's new lacrosse coach, uh, Coach Mikey Zadraga. Hello, Newscast listeners. I'm super excited today. We are uh, going to be talking with the new Lawrence Lacrosse coach, a brand new program that will be starting in the 24-25 season. This is Coach Mikey Zadroga, um, and uh, I'm probably just going to refer to him as Coach because that's how I always grew up talking talk to my coaches. But Coach, it's an honor to have you on the uh, podcast. Yeah, it's uh, no back at you. I, pr- I appreciate it. It's awesome to, to get on here and be able to kind of share who I am, learn more about you know, Wisconsin in general. I'm, a, I'm still <laughs> a little bit in, in touch with it, but, yeah. you know, learn some more information about being up here in, in the Fox Valley area. But no, thank you for having me. Yeah. So how long have you been in the Fox Valley now? Yeah. So I moved August 1st. Okay. So to Menasha. So sure. about 10 minutes from Appleton. All so right. it, it's been uh, it's been cool. But funny enough, I actually have cousins that are from Oshkosh. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. One of them lives now lives in Appleton. He lives like five minutes from the Bonta Bowl. Oh. Um, but yeah, they're from Oshkosh. So that is great. kind of known the area a little okay. bit. I tell you what, um, you're you're going on to I, what I think is one of the best fields there is. I, I love the Bonta Bowl. It's just something about it being in the ravine and you're getting new locker rooms and what a great uh, a great field to be able to go on and play lacrosse on. Yeah, I mean the funny the funniest thing, but also the best thing for like recruits is at Marquette. It was always a running joke. You know, every single year we came in, it was like, hey, the coach tell you, you know, your freshman <laughs> year you'll have a new locker room, and we were all like, yeah, he did. And then in 2019 in in uh, February, we finally got a new locker room. Oh right? and it was, we, were, we were in a pod. So wow. our coach made us T-shirts, you know, <laughs> it all started basically. I forget what it said, but it was like a, just a pod. And then the guys at this program, they're going to walk on campus and have a brand new locker room, which is awesome. And, the, is and the stadium, the facility, yeah. yeah, like you said, it's unbelievable. Yeah, they've. Uh, I think Lawrence has really put a little bit more emphasis on their athletics in the last few years, which is great to see. They have some good programs and some great kids, and uh, it's it's an excellent school academically. Uh, which can be a little tough to get some of the players in. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think you're walking into a, a gem. Yeah, I mean, me too. I, I really believe, like, that's what drew me to this. Because if you look at the way lacrosse works, you know, when you don't go Division One, the next tier, a lot of people think, like, and this is no disrespect to Division Two at all, but the next tier is usually, like, the Division Three level okay. because of academics, right? Oh, so okay. it's like... When you look at who's the next best academic school, it's the NESCACs usually. Okay. So it's like Tufts, Amherst, all those schools. Sure. Um, and I think that's what really helps us as well is like we have an academic background that fits like that lacrosse mindset of, hey, you know, I'm not going to go play Division One, but I want to get the highest academic, you know, degree possible. Right. 
and we're we're now sitting in a sweet spot where it's like hey we're close to minnesota we're close to iowa we're close to like idaho like we can we can pull these kids here um and our facilities help that with like the bontable but yeah it's 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 pretty cool at the same time like (laughs) yes it will be a little tough to continue to build it because you know if you can get every guy that you want in maybe you can build it a little quicker yeah um but when you look at who's really the best in the sport consistently like it's really you know other than like it's salisbury's been at the top but like yep you know you have denison you have tufts you have amherst colorado college okay. uh, washington and lee like all those schools not everyone's getting into those schools so right. you know um it's still the really like high academic schools i think the sport in wisconsin it's just going to explode here with WIAA finally recognizing lacrosse as a sport. Yeah. I mean, I'm also hopeful that, you know, it can continue to, to change in the sense of like, this still happens back in Philly, but you know, like, like the football coaches, like still seeing, Hey, right. our guys benefit, you know, yes, they're going to get speed work and track, but they really benefit from lacrosse. They're physical all right. year round, the footwork, you know, the vision, you know, like the best football player in Wisconsin last year, Winstang, yeah. is yep. playing Division One lacrosse. Yeah, you know, and like arguably one of the other best lacrosse players from Hudson is at University of Wisconsin playing football. Right. Yeah. You know, he was a three-star DN. So like, you know, th- there. I I hope that continues to be the thing. Like, hey, you play football, you play lacrosse. You yeah. play basketball, you play lacrosse. You wrestle lacrosse. Like, Absolutely. I think it should be the the quintessential like spring sport. Yeah, and my my youngest son is a freshman. He uh, plays lacrosse, hockey, and football. And he said by far lacrosse is probably the most physical sport he plays. Yeah. Yeah, he loves it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, our, our hockey coach tells me all the time. He's like, you guys are crazy. <laughs> he's like, I'll jump in front of a puck, but I don't want to get hit by that stick. The bruises that you have after a game are pretty pretty phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, we just played we just played in our alumni game, and I walked okay. away, and I was like, oh, nice. Couple couple good ones. Well, let's go back and uh, talk a little bit about your childhood. How how did you get into lacrosse? Yeah, so for me, um, the the town I grew up in honestly doesn't have lacrosse anymore. So okay. Narstown, Pennsylvania is really the town I grew up in before we moved over the bridge to uh, to King of Prussia and Upper Marion is the high school there. Okay. So in, I think it was fifth grade, um, one of my buddies that I played baseball with said, hey, I'm also playing lacrosse, come check out a game. So I went and watched a game. And for me, I loved like the physicality. Like that was, that was my thing. Like even I remember freshman year at Marquette, like even, you know, seeing a fifth year guy and like, I want to run him over, you know, I just like (laughs) love the physicality. So, so that like really drew me. Um, And then that was the years I believe of Paul Rabel for Johns Hopkins. So they were the only, only program on TV. Okay. So like it was playing lacrosse, watching them. And then I've always like, my biggest thing has been relationships with my coaches and I want to be the same way as a coach. So when I was in sixth grade, I had this coach, Paul Volkmer, who I still talk to to this day, little short five foot six guy. He would wear, (laughs) he would literally wear shorts like down to his ankles because he said it made him look like he ran faster. Um, And he played at Rutgers. He's, he was from like Northern Jersey, played at Rutgers, uh, had a couple like tryouts and stuff with pro teams, but like, was just incredible, like was yeah. tough, very tough. Like his famous thing was, I'm going to go to Wawa, get a hoagie and a chair. <laughs> I'm going to sit on this field. And when I get tired of eating my hoagie, you guys are going to be done running. You know, so like 
Like there'd be days where at practice we would do line drills for 90 minutes because oh we couldn't gosh. catch and throw to his standard. Wow. Um, but then my my seventh grade year when we had our seventh and eighth grade team, which was a pretty good team, we were undefeated. You know, and then like eighth grade year, we took a little dip. We just didn't have the numbers. Um, but like a guy in that grade above me, you know, also played at Hofstra. And I think wow. I think he's still third in Pennsylvania in like points. So like we had a couple of guys, you know, we had some talent, but like um, it was really like he really started it. And then uh, Trevor Kopecky is the kid's name. His dad, Heath, or his dad, um, Roman. Heath was the brother. Roman played at Washington and Lee in the 70s. Okay. You know, so like. There was just that lacrosse, and, that, and that's kind of how it, it got me hooked. You know, right. I was playing at Narstown, not really knowing what it was, um, not even being able to catch and throw, <laughs> going to Upper Marion, and then I had, like, unbelievable coaches for, the for you know, getting me hooked into it. Um, and, yeah, it just was, like, unbelievable. I think it's so powerful what you said, that you remember a coach from sixth grade that you still talk to. Those connections – are just unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, he was at he. I coached last year at a D two game. We played Chestnut Hill out in Philly, and he was at the game. That's amazing. You know, like, so we we still try to stay in touch, and um, yeah, he's awesome, and we still do his like little strut. He has his little <laughs> strut to him. So that no, is he he left a huge impact, and I think the the biggest thing I took with that was like he wasn't the joke around guy. Yeah. He was the disciplined guy of like, hey, there's a right way to do it. Okay. And I know that's not always for everyone, but right. I think that really just makes you better is when a guy's, di- you know, a coach is disciplined with you. Absolutely. Um, and I loved it. Like, cause, cause you knew he was looking out for you. Like, he used to have a saying when we would win, the sun's a little brighter, the grass <laughs> is a little greener, it's a little warmer outside. You know, like, we just remembered all those little things. And I think I remember some coaches that I had in high school, and the biggest thing was, if they're not talking to you, you you know you did something wrong. But they talk to you and they discipline you and they push you because they know you have it in you. It's not because yeah. they hate you. It's not because they think you suck and I'm just going to run you to death. It's because they believe in you. And we've lost a little bit of that mentality, I think, um, in this, I don't know, in this current generation a little bit. But um, it's, it's, it's powerful. It really is powerful. I know I tell my kids all the time. Yeah, your coach is pushing you because they believe that you can do it. And you have to mm-hmm. remember that. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's when you have the little discipline, it just it just makes you that much better. You know, yeah. like you actually get everything out of it that you should. If you try your hardest and you're still not a great athlete, at least, you know, you tried your hardest. Right. Right. It's like the same thing with with students where we tell guys in the classroom, like, try your hardest, because if you don't, how do you know how smart you can actually be? Exactly. So. You start playing. Uh, you love it, obviously. Did you play any other sports during this time as well? Yeah, in middle school is when I played basically all of my sports. Okay. Um, you know, I did I did football, basketball, and uh, lacrosse. Um, just kind of the way I guess my high school worked out a little bit. We we just had really small teams, and my dad, as a freshman, didn't want me to play football okay. just because like I would have played varsity football. And looking back at it, that's something I wish I would have just stayed in. Sure. Um, but we played in suburban one and suburban one football is like big boy football. So okay. the average line is like 280 to 300 pounds. Wow. <laughs> so like it's, it's really good Pennsylvania football. Um, and we were just, he was just like, Hey, you know, pick what you want to do. Right. So for me, it was like, Hey, I'm just going to focus on lacrosse. Um, but I was never, even though I didn't play football, like I would get home 
we would do sled runs. We would do <laughs> footwork stuff. Like sure. that was something I wanted to do. And, and I knew I wasn't the best at lacrosse at that time. Like my freshman year, the club team that I made for my sophomore year, which we were considered like the best in the country. Like okay. if you looked at who we had, we have a couple to Warton winners, wow. but like I got cut my freshman year. Oh, like I okay. didn't make the team. Um, and then my high school team, I just faced off and was like basically a D midi, kind of like yep. what I was in college, but yep. I didn't really play offense until my last game of the season. And my coach was like, Hey, you're not coming off the field. So you better be ready to run. <laughs> um, and then that kind of like opened up what high school became it's like sophomore through, through senior year. Okay. But yeah, so I did that. And then junior year, I played football in high school again, um, yeah. was a safety, was a punt returner. Actually, there was, there was basically, I think, three schools that kind of gave me, like, initial interest in football. Oh, okay. And then I just was like, hey, I'm not playing college football. But it was like uh, Towson talked to one of my coaches for me because one of my coaches went to Towson. And then his son actually wound up at Temple Boston College in the NFL for a little bit. So, wow. like, that kid was amazing. Um, it was Bloomsburg, which is a D2 school out in the Philly area, and okay. then Lawrence. Oh, Okay. <laughs> so like I, I I talked to the coach um, and when he called me I was committed to Marquette for lacrosse sure um, as a junior and I was like hey I'm actually going to Wisconsin just to play a different sport um, <laughs> and I think I think at the time he was like what the heck's lacrosse yeah exactly you know? so like but but yeah I mean I've knew of Lawrence since 2012 okay just because of that phone call wow which is crazy you know and, and like really out of the blue that is so I want to go back how getting cut from that team how did that push you or what did that do to you your mindset i mean at first honestly like it it sucked you know like i got cut from them and then i went to another tryout and got cut from another team who was worse and i was like wow what the heck's going on like am i just this bad at lacrosse like do i need to do i need to stop (laughs) playing but then um i was like you know what i mean i just gotta keep going and i'll try out again and like i think what helped me was one of the coaches for the the team it was called Duke's Lacrosse Club. Actually, okay. sent me a message and said, "Hey, I think we made a mistake at the tryout. I think we confused your number. Make sure you're practicing because we want to see." We, they invited me out to a tournament in the summer sure. for like to, for like a tryout. Okay. Um, so then I was like, "All right, you know, maybe maybe they made a mistake. So let me yeah. keep practicing." So it kind of gave me just a little confidence boost. So my dad was like, "Listen, we're, we're not going to quit something. So you're going to keep going." Um, and I knew I wanted to play division one lacrosse like that. I wrote that to myself in eighth grade that okay. I'm going to play division one lacrosse. So it was, a uh, it was a goal and, and I just figured, all right, it's just a little bump in the road. Like I just started, I was like, I just started. Most guys have played since they were kindergarten. Right. You just got to keep going. Um, so yeah, it just, it just made me keep going and keep working. And, um, yeah, it, it was like a small deterrence, but I was like, okay. I'm just going to keep pushing so you make it you you get to high school and you end up being uh i think i think if i read this right a two-year captain for your high mm-hmm. school that's incredible yeah so the, the way we did captains was juniors and seniors were captains okay so junior year you got voted in and then you know you you had to keep it for your senior year it was a good honor i mean yeah. to be captain and I, I think even senior year was more of like hey what do you want to do for practice you know like can we build out the practice plan with you and like with what you're learning and all this stuff. So like, that was, that was a cool step up that year too. It's, it's great when you, when your coaches involve you a little bit and you know, that I think that brings around the team too, you know, cause the team sees you're involved and you're, you're uh, looking after them to get better in the, the, 
teamwork, the um, just just the, the the brotherhood among you just grows as well. Yeah, I mean, that's the that is the, the brotherhood piece of it, though, is something I wish I knew a little bit more in high school. OK, um, because we weren't a very connected team. And when I coached high school a couple years ago, it's everything that I learned when I was at Marquette, like what's going to separate us. And I think it was just, you know, I love my coach to this day and he continues to learn to my high school coach and I still talk to him and and all that. But I think it was what really separates us as a championship team in the high school level. And it's, it's being unafraid to get your guys to commit to the hard things, knowing that, Hey, if you don't have a JV team, because guys are afraid to do hard stuff, it might be better to just have a varsity team, you know? And I think like I've tried to say that to him like repeatedly about it. And and it's been awesome to, to, we have that back and forth now. Um, And then I, I just experimented with it as a high school coach and we, we were able to have 50 kids and like, they loved it, you know, like they bought in and like, you know, I was I was tough. Like, hey, little yep. things like your bags better be lined up. You better be wearing the same stuff. And if you're not right. wearing the same stuff, call your mom because you're not practicing today. Yeah. You know, like that's our uniform for the day. So, you know, it might be like, hey, why do they have to do that? But it's just like a little attention to detail. It is. This is so small details. Absolutely. So I know lacrosse on the East Coast is way different than it here is, is here in the Midwest. I mean, our high school has like five or six teams co-oping. And, you know, you talk about that brotherhood. That's kind of tough to get when you have all these high schools. On the East Coast, it's a huge sport. I mean, it's like Friday night football here in the Midwest. How, how was that? How was it playing and just knowing that people are watching and, and involved? I think part of that's true. Okay. Part of that's true, I would say. I would say it depends on where you go because, for example, there's still, you know, if you take like a Wanakee or a Hudson. Yeah. Like, obviously, they're the two best. But if you take those teams down to Philly, they can still compete. Oh, okay. You know, they, they can compete. I, I think the difference is really, like, there are lacrosse schools, sure. which in that area, like, yes, there's a couple of public schools, like Springfield, Delco, Radnor, like, Garnet Valley. Their cultures, their programs are just consistently dominant, you okay. know. And then Mars out in Pittsburgh has become the same way. Um, but for the most part – you know, in, in Pennsylvania and in Maryland and in, um, you know, like New England, it's private and boarding schools. So like, like Malvern prep, for example, is, and Haverford school, they're two of the best ones, uh, for privates. And then Episcopal Academy is going to, going to keep picking up. They have one of my favorite coaches now as their head coach, but, um, Malvern prep has probably 40 or 50 guys each grade who they bring in. All right. So, like, when you look at their varsity roster, you're like, wow, if they have 25 guys on varsity, 23 of the 25 are Division One, like, top 20 teams. Wow. <laughs> and then you look at their JVA, those guys could all play at another high level. Like, I would take some of those guys at Lawrence, and they would yeah. come in and be phenomenal studs. Okay. You know, like, any public school they would go back to, they would probably start. Wow. So, it, there's just so much talent at these private schools right now that it's unbelievable. Um and that's really like the big difference. Like in Wisconsin, I don't see any private schools, right. you know, like, like I really don't. I mean, I don't even see boarding schools other than the one that I know of is Wayland Academy. Yeah. You know, and like yep. everyone goes to the public school here, which is awesome. Like I'm a public school guy. I love <laughs> it. But back home, it's like you're in eighth grade 
And the public school high school coach has to go down and recruit his kids in eighth grade because uh-huh. if he doesn't, they go to LaSalle, St. Joe's Prep, Haverford, sure. Malvern, you name it. You know, they, they go there. That's crazy. That's a whole different a whole different beast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're a football guy like DeAndre Swift for the Eagles yep. right now, he's a St. Joe's Prep guy. Oh, okay. So, like, if you look at their football, you look at their lacrosse, they bring all these guys in. And there's a big, there's kind of like a big, uh, there used to be a big rumbling around like those LaSalle and St. Joe's Prep because they play in the public school league. Oh, okay. But when you look at their rosters, they have a lot of Jersey guys. Okay. So it was like, hey, they don't have a lot of Pennsylvania guys. Why are they in the Pennsylvania state? Sure. But that's just, it's like, hey, they're not recruited. You know, right. they're they're there for like the school. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Not recruited. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's the difference, I guess. Okay. What was your recruitment process like coming out of high school? How did that uh, that happen? Yeah, mine was very funny um, because it was back in the day when like club lacrosse, at least for my program, didn't cost any money. All you paid for was your turn- tournament fee. Wow. <laughs> so, and then I think it was like sixty bucks for your uh, like uniform set. Okay. Um, so it didn't really cost any money, and then I like it because I kind of hate. I kind of hate sometimes that when you go see a kid play, like nowadays, all you see is the club helmet. Like right. that's cool, but I love seeing the high school helmet. Like, yeah, I might not know where the high school is, sure, but it's pretty cool to see a club team, and that's how we were for like it was called Duke's Lacrosse. Okay, every one of us wore our high school helmet because that's who we really represent, in my right. opinion. You know, like club team, great, love it, but like I play for my high school, and I like I wish the pride was still, and I think it is here, which is cool, but I wish the pride was like. That's my high school. That's who I play for. I grow up with these guys. This yeah. is my town or my private school. You know, club team, great. Love it. But, like, I play for my my team. Um, and I think what I loved even more with my recruiting was, like, yes, I played on a club team. I got recruited club-wise. But I had three high school games where I got recruited. Okay. And one of them was Marquette. Wow. You know, so my, my coach, Coach Brundage, who's the, he was awesome. He's the man. We yep. call him Brundy. But uh, do you know Brundy? I, I know the name for sure. I've heard yeah. stories. Yeah. He, he's, he's awesome. He's, he's one of my favorites. But like he, uh, he got stuck in traffic because in Philadelphia, traffic is, you know, more than five cars, which out here, five cars. I'm like, oh, I'm in traffic today. Exactly. Um, but, uh, but he got stuck in traffic. He went on this website called Philly Lacrosse, which posts all the games. Okay saw that we were playing Strathaven and Strathaven had an all American goalie at the time. So he's like, Hey, that'd probably be a good game. Pulled off, went to the game. We lost 17 to three. It was my sophomore year. I think I probably took like 12, 20 yard shots like a bozo, but I did it. And, uh, and he was like, Hey, yeah, I, I remember the email because during that time it was like my, my Nona passed away. So it was kind of a rough time for me, like personally, but I get an email from my coach and he's like, Hey, read this because you weren't allowed to email us because we were sophomores. But it was like, hey, read this. Hey, I really like that kid number 31. I know he probably wants you to, you know, he probably makes you want to smack your head into a wall because he takes these boneheaded (laughs) shots. But he didn't come off the field. He faced off. He played hard. And I was like, wow, someone, you know, I need to take, I was like, I need to take better shots. But, and my coach has been telling me this, so I should listen. But I love that he, you know, so then that kind of made the connection. Um, And then, you know, like going through the process, I think the only other school that I really would have went to and I did say no to it, which it's been a desire for me because, as I said, like discipline was awesome and, and it was West Point. I said no to them. And okay. my, my, my Jaji was like, what the heck are you doing? <laughs> um, but 
you know, like I said, like for me, it was really the, the co and I didn't, I didn't know their coach, but now I met him. I loved him. I was like, wow, if I would have visited, I probably would have went, but yeah. I loved coach Amplo. Like okay. he was, I visited, I'd met with him for 20, 30 minutes and was like, I walked away and was like that, you know, number, this was also my first plane ride was to Milwaukee. Oh, okay. And I was, I was like, you know, so I was just like big eyed, but I was like, dad, like I need to go play for coach Amplo. Wow. That's awesome. And he was, he was like, you know, already. And I was like, yeah, you know, I even visited Ohio state thought like I was going to go there. Okay. And then just, just, just the coach Amplo connection was like, wow. I was like, that's who I need to play for. Um, so that, that for me was like, that's what I want to do. And then I didn't think of like financials and Hey, I'm going to have student loan debt and all yeah. that stuff. And I probably should have <laughs> because I was the first in my family, but you know, and, and West point would have set me up really well, but, yep. um, but it worked out, you know, like I got injured in college and okay. that injury set me back as an athlete. So, you know, who knows what would happen if you go to West Point, you get injured and you have hip surgery and now you can't do your job. But right. um, so for me, it did work out like Marquette changed my life for the better, which is why I love, you know, Wisconsin so much, you know, because of that experience. What was what were some of your best memories at Marquette? I mean, it can be sports. It can be anything. I mean, Marquette. Yeah, I know Marquette and uh Marquette isn't in the nicest neighborhood. <laughs> it's a little sketchy around. It's gotten a lot better since I used to visit some of my friends there. But uh, it's a great school. So, you know, yeah. What do you what do you remember most? The, there's there's a couple things, you know, like my freshman year. I think it was it was funny because I hung out a lot with some of the like junior seniors, the guys who like started the program. So uh, coach Jake Richard, who's down there as their D coordinator, we were really good buddies and, and he was a junior and I was a freshman. Um, but one of our Fogos, Casey Kennedy, we called him the cat man. So he, uh, we're just in the airport one day and he puts in the group chat in the Facebook, like group chat, like a picture of a mini horse. And then I get tagged as the mini horse for the rest of the year. And like, I kind of hated it, but then I kind of love it at the same time because like they, they loved me that much that they were like, Hey, let's give them a nickname. Yeah. So like, that was one of the cool experiences. I think we were going to high point for our second scrimmage. And then okay. I had a really good scrimmage. I had two goals and an assist. And I was like, all right, I'm, you know, got myself kind of into the lineup, you know, yeah. cause freshman year I played a little bit here and there. And, um, but then after that, my, my two biggest memories was, and this is where it's going to impact me as a coach and how I run the program are not even lacrosse related. Okay. So like one of them is we went to Disney, my, my freshman year for spring break. Um, and just like the Disney trip, just like the time that we spent with each other, you know, because we were on the road and we bonded and we didn't have a locker room. We didn't have this, we didn't have that. And yep. we were just like, Hey, it's going to make us better. We're going to play that much harder for one another. Um, but we go to Disney and we play Gator ball. I don't know if you've ever played Gator ball, but no. we play Gator ball with NFL players like Bruce Irvin, oh, Mike Reese, like all these guys, guys training for the combine. Um, <laughs> You know, and like gator balls, basically you grab kind of like a soccer ball. Okay. So when it's on the ground, you have to kick it and you okay. have to play soccer. If you kick it up, it's rugby and you have to throw it behind you. And if you get touched, you got to drop it. Um, wow. And then you get different points. So you get like a point for kicking it in, two points for throwing it in, and then three points for heading it in. But huh. you can only throw it forward when you're scoring. Okay. So like it was just fun, and then Bruce Irvin like absolutely destroyed one of our best players. Just like <laughs> picked him up, and Coach Amplo was like losing his mind, and we're all like kind of let because the freshmen were on the on the NFL players team. Sure. So um, that was fun, and then the next year we were six in the country. 
we won our conference for the first time ever. We played yep. UNC in the playoff game. And that was like unbelievable. But what was even better than like winning was going to Italy for for our we went to a, we had a Europe trip as a team. Oh, OK. You know, so wow. like that was another experience that was just like unbelievable. Um, so it was kind of like all the off field stuff that was that was more meaningful. Uh, okay. You know, we, we did Milwaukee wheelchair. You know, we really helped build that program up. Um, you know, we would have trips to cops to get good custard. <laughs> yep. Uh, and then I think one of the last ones was the year after that. So my junior season, that was my first hip injury. Okay. Um, the one of the most impactful moments that we ever had as a, as a unit, as a team was we sat in a room, coaches left, gave us a ball of yarn. One guy talked what this program meant to him, why we wanted more time, why we wanted to win the conference championship. And we tossed it around to one another. And then it made yeah. like a big web. We cut it, wore it on our wrist for the rest of the year. Wow. And we, we wind up winning the, the Big East championship that year. So um, we, yeah. we should not have, huh. you know, we should not have based upon the way our year went. We were up and down. We were inconsistent. Yep. We were eight and eight, or six and eight going into it. Okay. Finished eight and eight, won the conference, um, you know, oh. and it was just unbelievable. Like that was, that was the best probably winning feeling. I've had. I didn't even play. I was, I was injured, but yep. like that, that game, like that impact was awesome. Um, well, that yeah. that proves how how incredible that was for you because you weren't playing, you were injured, but that group must have just been incredible together because and I can see it in your face when you were talking about it. That made a huge difference in you. Yeah, yeah. Those those couple of years, you know, and like I have some of my best friends forever, and actually one of them stayed in Wisconsin and he coaches at West Bend. Okay. And his name's Brendan Connolly. Um, you know, like it's nice to be back around like with him, but we just that was really our difference maker. It was like our love in our program and something that I want to give to the guys at Lawrence. Like sometimes there's not enough love in like your program. Like you're just like, Oh, he's on my team. Yeah. You know, like I, like I always kind of laugh sometimes when people are like, Hey, you know, like Cole Blazer gets brought up cause I'm in Illinois. So some people are like, Hey, did you know Cole Blazer? And I kind of laugh because like he played with me for four years. Yeah. So I should, I should know him. But honestly, if you went to a different program, you might be like, ah, I didn't really know him. But like we knew each other so well that we when we all get together, even if that's not your best friend, you still knew that guy to a different level sure. because of the connections that we had on the team. That's awesome. You talk a lot about I mean, I, I think this is important, a lot about relationships. And um, you mentioned, you know, your, your sixth grade coach, your high school coach you still talk with, um, your coach at Marquette. How, how do you take those three and probably more and meld it into your coaching style? Yeah, I think it's uh, all three of those guys are intense, <laughs> you know, all intense, you know, like Coach Ample is intense. <laughs> you know, I've, I've seen him many times rip the brim off of his hat in a game, <laughs> you know, straight rip. Wow. I, you know, I think I'm strong. I don't think I could do that, <laughs> no. you know, so um, – that's and, and I know I have like that Italian side in me where I can be intense. What I try to do is see all that and make it a positive intensity. Okay. So like really the guy that I look towards the most and I, I, I love that he's the Marquette coach right now, Shaka Smart. Yeah. The way he coaches basketball, like he's into it yeah. and he's relationship driven as well. Like he's yep. into it. He's banging on the floor. He's a jumping bean sometimes. I try to do that as well. Um, 
but then I try to take like the little disciplines, right? So like my middle school coach, my college coach, it was very disciplined and structured. Okay. And then my high school coach was a guy who, you know, and, and there was this with the middle school and the high school, middle school is a little different, you know, you don't have yeah. as much time, but high school wise, take you around, give you a hug. Like, what do you need? How can I help you? You know, I'm in college. I'm struggling a little bit. I'm homesick. I call him up. Right. And, and you have your parents, but sometimes you're like, I need to call someone else, call him up. And, and he's there to, to talk with me. Right. Yeah. So same awesome. thing that I try to do. Right. It's like, Hey, you know, are you all right? Are you, are you mentally okay? Like checking in with them. Um, you know, that's awesome to hear. I, I, I appreciate that having two boys. My, my oldest is a freshman in college now. My youngest is a freshman in high school. So, um, and hearing them talk about some of their coaches and the relationships they have, um, I, I appreciate what you're saying because that's going to go a long way to making what you want in this program is those relationships and how, how you are talking right now is you're going to get kids for sure because they're going to appreciate you and respect you. I appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, we're still looking, you yeah. know, we need it. We need about 20, 20 something more commits in this class. Well, let's, let's talk about that a little bit too. Um, so you got a brand new program. You're, uh, you're starting in the 24, 25 season. Um, so how, how does, what are you doing right now? How is, how does starting a program that's, it's gotta be, I mean, mind boggling everything that you're doing. It's a little bit crazy. Um, <laughs> but it's super fun. You know, I mean, like there's always going to be little setbacks. And I, and I try to tell the guys this at the prospect day, like, like one of the examples is we have these new netting system that we have, and I need to go get like, like you anchors and, okay. and anchor their, them into the ground so they don't move. But we had sand buckets on them, which <laughs> you're supposed to put sand buckets essentially on them. And, and you need, you need four 50 pound buckets Right. We only had two 50 pound buckets. There wasn't enough time to get them in between. Yeah. You know, I don't I don't have a truck yet. I'm not that Wisconsin yet where <laughs> I need I have the truck. So I don't have the truck yet. So it's a little bit tougher to get it. But um, in this in the prospect day, they blew over. OK, I could have just like lost my mind and like put my face down and been like, you know, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. But you just got to keep chugging along. Yep. And it's, and it's been like, that's kind of like a metaphor for everything that's been here. Right. So, you know, like there's some guys in recruiting. I absolutely love, we have great conversations. Like I can't, and I never will tell a kid, like, even though we're a new program, you're going to come here, start and have 50 goals, right? But you have the opportunity to have this happen, you know, and you have the opportunity probably earlier at our program than some of the other schools. So it's tough when like you get a kid and he's bought in and he wants to visit and then he calls you two days later and he commits and he's like, well, I wanted to go to a more, uh, established program. Sure. It's like, okay, I get it. You can still play here right away. Yeah. So it's like, I can't sell them on it, which, right. you know, they have to want that in their, in their hearts. There's nothing I can say. And that's, what's been the toughest part is, okay. um, getting guys to believe that, Hey, you're going to get coached at a high level, right? You're going to be cared about. You're going to have a world-class academic experience. You know, guys that were here for, you know, saw October. They didn't participate. They didn't have time. Their parents didn't. But they saw what Oktoberfest is. Like, (laughs) it's going to be fun. There's social element. You're not not cow tipping on Saturday night. No, absolutely not. You 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 can hang out with people and meet people. And you have the Packers close. Right. You know, Damian Lillard's now in Milwaukee. So you're probably going to see a championship soon. Um, The Brewers are good. So, like. And, and, you know, you have the Badgers down the road, like yeah. there's, there's so much to do and it's, 
it's getting guys just to see, hey, it might be a, a, a scary thing, but no matter where you go, you could go to the best team in the country. Yeah. You're going to have adversity. And how do you know it's going to stay there? You know, yep. you don't, right? Anything could happen just like here. You don't, people that think like, oh, they're going to be bad because they're new. Well, how do you know? You know, That's we could be good right away, yep. you know? So um, I think it's just to get guys that really want to commit to that true unknown because there's nothing to look back on, right? But yeah. for me, it's it's getting guys to believe in the relationships, to really believe in the power of like, hey, I'm I'm honestly not selling you, but it's really good to be at a place where the coach is excited about you. Oh, coach might like you, but like, is the coach excited about you? You know, are you excited about the program? Not just thinking about, oh, well, you know, they have a nice weight room because we have a new renovated weight room, but like, oh, they have a nice weight room, but it used to be a swimming pool. So it's kind of ugly with the bleachers. <laughs> and it's like, well, it's cool. You it know? is cool, like, yeah. You know, and, and uh, oh, well, they're going to practice sometimes on the grass field. You know, and it's like, are you going to look beyond that stuff right. because of all the opportunity and all the doors that Lawrence does open up, which, you know, I believe in. You know, if I didn't believe in it, I really would not have been able to start this program. Um, what You know, I guess one of the things kind of moving back, what you saw this, you saw this uh, that Lawrence is going to have a program. Um, obviously, you know, it came up and you're like, yeah, this is something I want to apply for. How, how yeah. did that work for you? Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was a couple of factors, too, beyond just like coaching lacrosse, um, yeah. because, you know, if I was being if I was being, I guess, more selfish, I would have said to myself, hey, I just need to go back and try to coach Division one and be a nomad. Yeah. Um, but for me, you know, I still care about family. That is a value that I'm not going to neglect. And okay. I don't have kids. But and and yes, I'm not in Philadelphia around like my actual family, but like yep. I love my fiance and, you know, we're going to start a family. Um, and this, you know, Philadelphia didn't provide that opportunity. OK, but this provided that opportunity to have a stable life, you know, yep. and I loved I loved where I was. I loved Wisconsin before, um, you know, my cousins in Oshkosh spoke very highly of like, you know, Lawrence and Appleton as a community. I even coached a guy who now is on my staff who was from Appleton who like you, he told me some stuff and I would make fun of him for it at Canisius, but like he told me some good stuff. And, is that Connor um, Zilich? Connor Zilich. Yeah. Yes. I, I, uh, well, my, both my boys are involved with hockey. So I used to work United hockey games. I remember Connor and actually his sister was friends with my, uh, kind of friends with my oldest because she McKenzie. was uh, McKenzie. She, she, yeah. Michaela, she was a great oh, Michaela, player. Michaela. I don't yeah, know she was a great player as well. So, um, yeah, I remember the Zillich brothers and yeah, yeah, so that's cool. That's awesome that you have him uh, as an assistant as well. Yeah. Actually, speaking of Michaela, sorry for if she hears this. <laughs> I, I don't know why I said that. I just we just talked to her last night. It was Nate's bro- Nate's uh, the older brother, his birthday. But oh. <laughs> she's uh, yeah, she's at Bemidji. Oh, so I'm, okay. I'm, yeah, I'm, they've been my they've been my Appleton family. So since I've been here in August, okay. I've like my fiance didn't move until September, but I hung out with them all the time. And then we just did, uh, Nate's birthday. And, uh, nice. even, even Jess, my fiance was like, wow, like they're awesome. Like that's they're cool. so welcoming. Um, and that's what I got, you know, so we're hoping to go see, see Michaela play. Nice. Um, but, uh, but no, like, um, that's really what I, I found here. So okay. I felt it, I felt it a little bit on the interviews 
it just was different than a lot of places. Okay. Um, and then being on campus, I just, it just was a feeling like, wow, this community special. Um, yeah. and, and every single day it's been like that where it's special. Like you run into someone and they, and they know someone who knows you and then they say <laughs> hi and they're welcoming or, you know, you're out in Ohio recruiting and people are like, Oh my gosh, Appleton, like we're from there. Like we love it. Oh, that's awesome. Um, you know, and like just now that we've been doing stuff in the community, like Brian Bailey sends me a text about, you know, if I'd be interested in doing this and I'm like that, I love it. You know, like it's just, it's just very connected. Um, and it, and it's been really cool, you know, and like the Zilliches have been a huge part of that Perfect. because they've also been in the community. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Like obviously in a positive way or else people wouldn't be, you know, at Jones Park, people wouldn't be like, Oh, Hey, the Zilliches, like, how you doing? Yep. You know? So, exactly. Um, so it's been, it's been awesome. That's yeah. I, I think people don't realize what what this community does have to offer i mean there's so many different things and and for we've uh my family has been like the uh the with the lawrence hockey family so we've had players come from st louis players come from colorado and they come over and eat my food and drink my beer and you know but it's it's awesome because you can meet these kids and they're not kids i mean they're 21 year old freshmen with hockey but they come to Lawrence and, you know, they're like, yeah, I really like it here because, you know, I was in, I was in Jersey and I was living in an apartment with four other guys and I get this experience and we're, you know, we're just a big family and it's, it's safe and we get to go out and do whatever we want. And that's, that's a huge, huge piece that's probably going to help you recruit kids to come to this area. Yeah. I think, I think kids just, and, and like perspective recruits, when they step on campus or in Appleton, that's when I think it makes a difference. Yeah. You know, it's like easy to see it. Like we have a virtual visit that I created. It's easy okay. to see it and be like, oh, okay, it's like a normal school. Um, but then you step on campus and it's like, hey, how many schools have you gone to where you get to talk to the athletic director? Right. You know, or if you see the president on campus, like they really stop by and say hi, you yeah. know? Um, yep. And I think that's a difference. And, and honestly, the biggest difference, I love that you talk about hockey because we've had a good connection with the program. Like I wasn't here. My little brother got married uh, early September and we had a kid from L.A. visit. Oh. And I was like, hey, I'm not on campus. Like I can't really show you around. I'll see if someone can help. But I doubt it. Just kind of thinking like, oh, sure. you know, it's general college athletics. Like yep. most coaches aren't going to take time on a Sunday to go help you because you can't be there with your recruit. Right. Coach Wally goes whatever you need. I'm, I got it. That's awesome. Five hours with the kid. Oh the my god! You know, makes yeah. the kid like fall in love with it. And it's like, Hey, this is actually a different community. Yeah. You know, like he was, I, I texted him and said, I know it's a long shot, but if you have any guys on your team and he goes, you don't need them, I'll do it. <laughs> that's I was fantastic. like, that's awesome. You know, like, thank you so much. You know, yeah. and he takes the kid out to eat and, and does all that stuff. And wow. Unbelievable. That's great. So you're out recruiting. Are are you looking for a certain kid? Are you looking for two sport, three sport athletes? Or are you looking for somebody who's going to fit what you want? I would say the first thing that kind of jumps off the page yet is the talent of just lacrosse. And okay. if they play a second sport or a third sport, it, it's like a bonus to okay. their profile. Um, but not necessarily needed. I think you can kind of see a game sense. I think the biggest connection has been you watch a guy 
and you're like, he's got pretty good feet. You call him on the phone. Hey, you play, do you play basketball? And if they say yes, you're like, all right, that makes sense. You know, like, like there's a kid from, uh, the Madison area. I can't, I don't think I'm like allowed to say his name or anything, but like, (laughs) you know, he's a really big kid. I saw his highlight tape and was like, Hey, did did you play basketball? And he's like, yeah, I still do. I'm, I'm pretty decent at it. I was like, I can tell, you know, cause you have good footwork and you have good frame. Um, and then he has so much upside. Okay. So for me, it's looking at a couple different factors. Like our pool is going to be way bigger because sure. we need a team. Yep. So if we take guys that are a little bit raw, they need to be very, very athletic. Okay. I think if you're an athlete and you're raw at lacrosse, yeah. because you're athletic, you can probably pick it up. Okay. You know, the guys that are a little bit not as athletic and not as skilled, it's going to be harder for them to really pick it up. Yep. Um, so if they're skilled but not as athletic, that's fine as well. And then if they're skilled and athletic, top of the board, okay. you know, like right away, like you're, you're top of the board. Um, and there's a, there's another kid from the area who has played for a couple, only a couple of years. I love the kid. I think he's unbelievable. Like he would do great here because I just see like that potential. Sure. You know, like you've only played for two years. Yeah. You're already this good. You know, I promise you we can get you even better. Like we can, yeah. we can really coach you up. So that's the biggest thing. But the, the biggest factor is still, Obviously, I want tough guys. I'm from Philly. We want guys who are unafraid to like bang their heads around a little bit and pick yep. up tough GBs and do the do the dirty work. And you know, we need a lot of glue guys and a lot of gritty guys. But it's really, do you want to come and start a new program? You know, yeah. do you want to take that leap of faith and know that the type of person I am? And it's it's cool. I just had a kid I coached in high school on campus today. Oh, um, nice. And he was like, yeah, I know you're going to play tough competition because in high school you scheduled Penn Charter and we all looked at you like, are you crazy coach or a public school? And we lost 14 to nine. Right. And we lost. But what it showed them was, hey, you can play with anyone. Right. We were up six nothing. Yeah. We could play with anyone. Um, And that's what we'll do here. Like, I I am not afraid to play another school. I'm not afraid to, you know call schools and they are like, Hey, you're not good enough yet. And it's like, well, let's just put you on, let's just put us on the schedule. Right. See what happens. You know, awesome. We're not that good. It's fine. You know, you can, you can take one game a year that, that is going to hurt your RPI a little bit. And yeah, then we go there and we shock some people. So, um, that's something I'm really going to instill in these guys too. You have to believe in yourself. If you don't believe in yourself, no one will believe in you. You need to believe in yourself. So, we're not going to be afraid to schedule someone just because they have a number next to their name or they played lacrosse for X amount of years or whatever. Like they have guys from this state who cares? Let's go play. That's awesome. Strap them up. You know, you gotta, you gotta put your shoes and socks on at the same time. Like, you know, let's go do it. So that's fantastic. um, So we will do that. And we have the ability, like my AD is on board with having a national schedule and obviously there's steps. We're not just going to walk in and say, Hey, Salisbury, (laughs) Christopher Newport, But like, you know, we'll have steps that we build. So by the time our first guys are seniors, they're going to play a ranked opponent. That's awesome. So. So I have another question for you, Um, you know, coming into the Midwest here and I I talk with football coaches, talk with some of the other coaches and they're like, I'm not so sure about lacrosse. I want my kids, my football players to play track. And I'm like, you don't understand their footwork's going to get better. They're going to get faster. They're going to get stronger. Uh, by playing lacrosse. I said, you have to come to games and watch them. How do you change that mentality now that you're, you're the college coach here in Appleton? Yeah. I I mean, I think it's just awareness. I was talking to uh, 
coach writer who's in the Madison area. And I really think it's just awareness. Like there's certain guys stuck in this mentality or this mindset of like, if you're a football player, you just need to play football. Yeah. And it's pretty crazy. You know, like even if you're a lacrosse player, like I know I only played one year of football. I wish I would have played it it my whole career. Like if you play lacrosse, you can, you can put your stick down. It's okay. Oh yeah. You know, like you can put it down. Like, do you still need to hit the wall? Is it basketball where you need to dribble? Yeah. But like you can take a break because it's really, uh, it's, it's like that, that mental training of sometimes you're just seeing different things and now your game sense as a, as just an athlete is that much better? Yeah. So the game slows down. So if the game slows down, you can play, you know, at a, at a faster pace without moving faster, yeah. you know? And it's like, that might be hard to understand, but like, that's, no. that's the thing. Like you're looking at a guy like, wow, he looks like he's, you know, he's in slow motion. Everyone's moving fast. It's just, exactly. he just understands. He has a, he has a feel. Um, and there's so many, whether it's Chris Hogan in the NFL, like, how many times you watch a, a Patriots game back in the day and like five years ago and you're like, Oh, he played lacrosse. You know, right. they say it every time, right. you know, we're like, um, and he played four years of college lacrosse, one year of, of college football. Wow. So like, you know, like that's, that's a difference too. And then you have Jared Bernhardt who was the best lacrosse player yep. played at Ferris state, best yep. football player division two goes, gets a, a tryout and, and plays on the Falcons. Yeah. You know, you have Xavier Arline at, at Navy who plays both in college. Yeah at the division one level, you know, like, um, yeah, like unbelievable. So I think it's just getting into the mindset of, Hey, the guys can play both and it's not going to hinder their performance. Like, yes. Are there a lot of great track and field football players? There are. Yep. But I think lacrosse makes them be able to move side to side. Track and field is in a straight line. Yep. You're never stopping and starting. You're never reacting to someone else. And that is a skill that can continue to get developed. So, like, if you're a D midi, you're probably going to be a really good DB, safety, wide receiver. You know, like, um, big attackmen can be great DNs. They don't need to lose weight. You know, like, if you're a big boy, I I think that needs to change too in in some places and probably here. Like, if you're a bigger guy and you have a bigger kid, he's not a defenseman. Yeah, no, he's exactly. an attackman. You know, like if he's more athletic and he's like quick and good feet, right? That's the defenseman. So like yep. the big boys, short stick all yeah. day because they can back down. They can be slower. You know, offense alignment, goalies. Yeah, they're moving in a, in a short choppy step. So when they get that like pass rush back step, that's a great like goalie step. You oh, know, yeah. so it's like it's like tying all that in, and, and they're gonna work on it. Just like you said, you know, like Matt Hasselback's son, the great quarterback for the yep. Seahawks. His son's going to play football in college because too much money, he can't pass it up. But, yeah. you know, he was committed to play lacrosse in Maryland. Great Jeez. lacrosse player. That's amazing. Drew Brees' son's lacrosse. Yeah, Tom Brady's absolutely. son. So, um, Junior Seau, his son played lacrosse at Duke. Wow. You know, so like, yeah, um, yeah I mean, I, I just think it's it's a great connection and it's a great tie. It keeps your guys physical, keeps them competing. They're getting disciplined. Like I think that's that that's the biggest thing. Okay. I think there's this lacrosse bro stereotype of like it's like a surfer sport. They're yep. hanging out, they're chilling. Yep. You know, they're wearing crazy shorts and like goat USA, like bucket exactly. hats all the time. And it's like there's still discipline, there's still structure, there's still a toughness, you know, there's an edge, there's like attention to detail. So I think that's football awesome. coaches just have to see that. Um yeah. 
And then a last shout out, I know this is long winded, but like a last shout out to that is Springford High School. You know, Coach Donnelly. I love Coach Donnelly. Yep. Hate Springford. You know, I was an Owen Owen J guy for coach in high school. We lost to them three times. Hate them. You know, don't don't ever wear it. Don't ever wear blue and gold. You know, even though high school I was, but for coaching. Um, but I love Coach Donnelly, and I love their defensive coach. I forget his name, but their defensive coach never played lacrosse. Wow, linebacker in football, defensive football coach for Springford High School. Okay. Their defense for that public school, unbelievable. And because oh, he's like, hey, it's footwork, it's angles, it's being physical with your hands. I can teach that. Yeah. You know, like, and I can just instill discipline in them. And that's, that's like what defense is. Like if you're not disciplined on defense, you can't really, you can be aggressive. You can't really be super creative, like in a sense, like you can, and I don't want people to get mad at me, but like for the most part, yeah. you got to be locked in to a simple thing. You got to be very disciplined, certain way to approach, play an angle. Yep. Like you're a super unit offense. You can be a little more like we call it like hippies sometimes, <laughs> like you can be free flowing and yep. loose in the wind, you know, but defensively you're you're dialed um and like that's where that tie-in really comes in long-winded but that's oh, kind of no. like the spiel that was yeah. great And you know what? We're getting to be about an hour here. And I, I personally, I feel I could sit and talk to you for another hour, but I don't want to waste your time. I know you're super, super busy. And, you know, maybe um, once the season, you know, in the spring, we can talk to you again and see how recruiting's going. And, you know, especially once the once you get guys on campus next fall, um, we want to keep in touch with you. I, I, I'm going to be honest. I have never met you and your enthusiasm for the game and for what you're doing. It's infectious. And I'm super excited for this program. I can't wait to bring my son down and watch Lawrence play. And uh, just, uh, it, it's I'm excited for this program to come. And I'm super excited that you're here in the community. And uh, you're going to do great things. I appreciate it. Um, and we're gonna we're gonna invite you out to uh, next fall. We're hoping to do an inner squad scrimmage. You know, okay. get the community out and, and nice. pack it. You know, and um, I I don't think I told my AD this. I forget who I told this, but I want to be kind of like. Separate from, like, you know, if you've ever seen the uh, semi-pro, like, Jackie Moon. Yeah. I want to be like the Jackie Moon with getting all the people to the games. What do we <laughs> need to do? Do I need to fight a bear at halftime? Like, let's go. <laughs> you know? I want the, st- the Bontable packed. So oh, that's, whatever I need to do. But, that's you know, exactly. for, like, the inner squad scrimmage, let's pack the house and yeah. make it a fun event for the guys. It's first year. So that's awesome. Um, yeah, we want to do some fun stuff that way. That is yeah. fantastic. That's cool. All right. Well, hey, I appreciate it. And thank you so much for your time. And, uh, you know, people in the community, when you watch this, uh, pay attention. This is this is going to blow up and this is going to be amazing for this community. I I really, truly believe it. And uh, we got a great guy here in town. And uh, thank you very much, Coach. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been awesome. Great to meet you. Great to meet you as well. Welcome you to this throwback, Tosh, 2003. Actually, second week in a row. We've done 2003, but this week, Vern Lundquist, icon, CBS sports announcer. Yeah, I mean, one of the most amazing voices in professional sports broadcasting. 
Um, one of those that you recognize as soon as you hear if them. you're a golf fan the yes sir anybody our age tash will remember nicholas right in 86 <laughs> winning the masters at, absolutely at, at age 45 uh, 46 i think he was heck yeah Vern lundquist ha had it at just an epic moment in life and, and i remember actually taping that on a vcr tape it was it was so awesome <laughs> can't forget march 28th 1992 uh he was doing the play-by-play -play for the uh men's uh, East region finals between yes. Kentucky and Duke. And all of a sudden, 17 foot oh. turnaround jumper. And the call was there's the pass to Leitner, puts it in. Oh, yes. Unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, he he's had some epic, epic calls in college basketball, that just being one of them. And you, you either like Duke or you hate Duke, and there's really no in between. And I have, I have friends on both sides of that fence. So, but that nonetheless, a terrific, terrific, you know life always remembering call he also had and this is a funny one to me um if you know about 1994 winter winter olympics his call was well this bizarre real life movie continues and that was the oh. tanya harding and uh nancy kerrigan debacle yeah you know it was crazy Man. but yeah he was covering the olympics at that Unbelievable. time too. can you imagine that life tosh that that's all oh, be he'd be so fun <laughs> to talk to just to just to just to oh, experience yeah. that, I mean, that, that's just your life. Incredible. You know, this is what the Red Smith Banquet was about, having these guys come in and women and talk about their stories and their life. Uh, so this is fantastic. And, you know, we probably should just end this with one of his most famous catchphrases. And it's, how do you do? Red Smith Sports Awards. Banquet throwback. The Red Smith Award, of course, goes to someone who has made some unique contributions to sport in Wisconsin. And also epitomizes the great values that Red Smith exhibited. Let's give a Red Smith welcome. Our guest speaker tonight is by far one of the most versatile play-by-play -play broadcasters in the business. Vern Lundquist has done play-by-play -play for figure skating at the 92, 94, 98 Olympics. NFL, NBA, college basketball, including the NCAA Men's Basketball Championship. Several golf events, including the Masters. In 98, Vern returned to CBS after having previously worked for CBS Television Network 82 to 95, and for a long time was the radio voice of the Dallas Cowboys, 72 to 84. <laughs> it, 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 is it something I said? <laughs> Please welcome Vern Lundquist. Vern. Thank you, Chuck. It, uh, it is a real pleasure to be in Appleton. Uh, I've been in this town many, many times and uh, in this hotel many, many times, but always when we were doing a Packer game on television and, of course, the visiting teams stayed here tonight. It's a, it's a pleasure to be back in a more official function. Uh, I'm reminded a little bit uh, about a game I did back in the late 70s. Uh, we, this was, uh, I was at ABC. 
And uh, we were doing a game in Logan, Utah. This was Brigham Young University against Utah State where Merlin Olson played his college football. And it was uh, a BYU team that was undefeated at the time. They'd won five in a row against a Utah t a State team that <clears throat> came into the game at four and one. Lavelle Edwards at BYU had a sensational team. I, some of you might remember Gifford Nielsen, who played with the Houston Oilers. He was the starting quarterback. The second string quarterback on that team was Mark Wilson, who later played with the Raiders. And they had a redshirt freshman named Jim McMahon. Uh, the tight end was a guy named Todd Christensen. So we go into Logan, Utah, and it's a gorgeous city, uh, a beautiful October day in the Cache Valley. And we were expecting a real tight ball game. Well, BYU just exploded. And uh, Gifford Nielsen threw for four or five touchdowns in the first half. They were up by about 35 points at halftime. Mark Wilson came in in the third quarter. I remember distinctly he went eight of nine, and the game dragged on and on and on. And what had been a sellout crowd had headed for the exits. And the sun is going down. We've been on the air for four hours. And our, Assetti, uh, our director, Joe Assetti, was looking desperately for any kind of a shot to kind of demonstrate what was going on. And he found a lady sitting alone in the end zone, an elderly lady, appeared to be about in her 70s, all by herself, the chill coming in. She had a shawl wrapped around her shoulders. She was hunched together like this, lines really etched deep in her forehead. And I was searching for something to say. Joe said he put his key down to me and said, she was a freshman when the game started. <laughs> uh, congratulations to all of you who uh, won the awards tonight. And uh, what a pleasure it is to share the dais with uh, men of such distinction. Uh, Pat Richter and I go back a few years, and Eric, congratulations to you on the great season. Uh, do we not all understand why Brooks Robinson is Mr. Nice Guy? And uh, I think you also understand why those of us in my end of the business when we came into Green Bay to do a game, would talk to the PR staff, Lee Remmel or Jeff Bloom, and say, uh, line up Leroy Butler, please. <laughs> because it was constant that we would see, good to see you again. I did notice a small scattering of booze at the mention of the Dallas Cowboys. Larger now. Uh, I actually was at the Ice Bowl game. Uh, that was my first year in Dallas. Uh, I had come to work at Channel 8, the ABC affiliate in Dallas, in 1967 and was asked, uh, and what a great honor it was, to do the pre- and the post-game show on the Cowboy Radio Network. Uh, by the way, the most overrated, overrated ride in all of America is on John Madden's bus. <laughs> He's got a lot of idiosyncrasies. One of them is, one, that he keeps the bus at a constant 55 degrees. It is meat locker cold. John also is a little claustrophobic, doesn't like to tie his shoes, wears tennis shoes, but he, he is obviously one of the great characters in the sport and one of the great broadcasters. I'm, uh, one more and we'll, we'll everybody say goodnight and go home. But I, Brooks really caught my attention when he was talking about 
trying to maintain humility and a sense of perspective. Uh, these great athletes really know what the spotlight is, is like. And to a degree, those of us who are in television and in broadcasting do as well. You, you're on the air and you're in people's homes. and uh, there, You hope that there's a familiarity that, that comes into play. But I was reminded of a story that, that happened that gave me a sense of perspective uh, in 1975. I, I did a, a show in Dallas-Fort Worth for two years. I'm not ashamed to admit it now. I was for a long time. It was a game show, and it was called Bowling for Dollars. It was shown, it was franchised around the country, so it was probably in Milwaukee. I know it was in Boston, may have been in Baltimore. Uh, when they came to me and asked me to do this, I said, There's, I'm not going to do that. You know, I mean, after all, I'm a dignified broadcaster. And they said, listen, call Los Angeles and talk to Chick Hearn. He does the show in L.A. So I called his office, the, the late Chick Hearn, the Laker broadcaster who just died. And I, I called him, Mr. Hearn, I introduced myself, I'm in Dallas, they've asked me to do the game show, and he said, yeah. And I said, well, tell me, he said, oh, it's, it's great. He says, we run it 7 to, 5, 7 to 7.30, five nights a week, and we beat the Cronkite show, we beat Huntley Brinkley, we beat ABC News. And I said, but you're the voice of the Los Angeles Lakers. Aren't you worried about your reputation? He said, son, understand one thing. Anybody who watches this show doesn't know that I do the Los Angeles Lakers. <laughs> so I did the show for two years in Dallas. And at the end of the first year, I got a call from ABC and they said, we have your Thanksgiving assignment and you're gonna to get to do your first national telecast it's Texas at Texas A&M. I lived in Texas for most of 20, 30 years. And it was just a wonderful assignment for me. The number two Aggies against the number five Longhorns, undefeated Texas A&M, once beaten Texas. My partner for that broadcast was Frank Broyles. It was his first telecast ever. Went down to Texas A&M. We did the game. Aggies won it 20 to 10. And I am on an insufferable ego trip when the thing is over. And my buddy Joe Cash and I were going to drive back to Dallas. We get in the car. Joe's driving. You remember those ugly old yellow ABC jackets that uh, Al and John wore uh, one night earlier on their 500? Well, I had one of those on. So, Joe, can you imagine 20 million people watching this? Yeah, 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 yeah. I said, no, think about it. I mean, people in Portland, Oregon, and Portland, Maine, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I go on in this vein, and we pull into a gas station in Fairfield, Texas. He gets out, goes in. The guy's filling up and washing the windshield, and he looked in, and I could tell there was a slight hint of recognition. But he didn't really seem to be sure, so I thought I'd, I'd turn to make sure he could see that ABC patch right there, right? He's going to say something nice about the game. And he rubbed the windshield, and he looked inside, and then he turned over his shoulder and yelled at his partner, Rudy! Rudy, God Almighty, get out here. It's the Bowling for Dollars dude on the TV. Tosh, at least maybe our second favorite time. It's forgotten, and I'm never forgetting. Yeah, I think you got. I think you got that right. That was excellent. I did. I've been practicing. I, and <laughs> and you being a teacher might appreciate this. I wrote it a few times just to just to ingrain that in my head because those words don't quite flow 
naturally off of my tongue or maybe it sounds like pretty much anybody else's tongue. Yeah, especially mine. I've I've butchered it a number of times in these uh, four, last 13 episodes. That's, that's, so. It's part of the charm, folks. It's part of the charm. So <laughs> what is Forgotten Tash? Well, I'll tell you, uh, right now, um, celebrating the 20th year of the Kardashians, and I would love to forget that. <laughs> and I am honored to say that I've never watched a single episode, though. So... Yeah, let's uh, let's forget that one. Twenty years of the Kardashians. Yes, Woo, right. Forget it. Good work, Tosh. <laughs> I have never watched a single episode. I'll be honest. You know, if we ever bring back, it's not even if we ever and say hello to your dog. If yep. we uh, <laughs> if we ever bring Red Smith back, that might have to be an award, right? The, the non-Kardashian watched Absolutely. person of the year. Yep, I agree, one hundred percent. So, what do you got, Joe? Well, Tash, I kind of a little bit debated whether whether to do this one or not. And and the story I'm about to tell you, my, my following weekend was about, I don't know, 50, 100 times worse than the story that I'm about to tell you. But it's 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 my forgotten. And, and, and I truly do forget this, but it, maybe this is, I don't know, maybe a glimpse into sometimes what it's like to be in an official. It's a Friday night, Tash, beautiful Friday night. Not a great game, but you know it's an okay game. But you know, people are always going to find plays that, that they feel are controversial. Um, we went back and watched the film; thought we called a pretty good game. But that's beside the point. In this particular venue, when you, it, it, it's not very good for us as officials. We always have to walk through the crowd there, uh, especially leaving the field. So you literally leave the field; the crowd is just bunched around waiting for the players we come through there's no security there's a guy that's our quote escort and we're walking through the crowd and you got to walk through the parking lot into the school to get to the locker room so during this walk there's this lady with two of her daughters and she says this loudly enough uh that that we can certainly hear it i've got to believe she knew that that we were right alongside of her there's five guys in stripes walking just you know right next to these <laughs> these people and she just says something to the effect about the team being just as bad as the as the officials were tonight and the daughter's <laughs> initial reaction was like mom and her the mom's <laughs> response was what do i care and all yep. of this was loud enough. I mean, I'm literally four feet from her. I'm walking almost side by side. Yeah. Didn't say anything. Nobody in the crew said anything. In fact, we never even said anything as a crew about it. But it just kind of stuck in my head. And if nothing else, it, right. it turned into content for it's forgotten and I'm never forgetting. So that that's kind of it. It's forgotten, but that well, that that's the kind of stuff as an official you you have to forget because if you can't forget that then it's it's really really tough to officiate yeah that's true but that also is the is the whole reason why we're losing officials right yeah. there just you have nothing to do with it just the officials are doing the best job they can they don't have replay you, you're doing it yeah you don't get paid a ton to do it you're doing it because you literally love it and you if you're not doing it kids aren't playing yeah so just shut your pie hole and Enjoy the fact that your kids were able to play and say, hey, nice job, guys. Appreciate that you came all this way to ref our kids game. Yeah. And, and you know, I, honestly, it, it, it's probably 90% of the people. There's, there's a good share 
But it, it it is certainly part of culture to blame the official. It's like that yeah. in Europe. It's like that everywhere. You know, the yeah, official gets gets the blame, and and that that I guess more than anything, I just saw it in action the generational handoff. Yeah, you know, the the mom mm-hmm. who I'm sure learned it from her parents. Probably you know, was handing yeah. it off to her daughters, and that that hatred or whatever towards officials just keeps evolving yeah. along. Well, I don't know if that's ever going to change anytime in the near future, but let's uh let's move on to something we that we're never forgetting. Yes. I, I was I was toying with the idea of doing this for forgotten as well, but it's homecoming week at a high school. Being a teacher, sometimes you just want to like, all right, enough's enough. All right, we're doing our dress up days. Yeah, we're not getting a lot done this week. But in reality, it's really you don't want to forget it because kids are having a good time, teachers are dressing up, there's a lot of excitement around the school. And um, you know, it's it's a good it's a good thing because kids are having a, kids are having a good time. So, do you, so they're laughing. Do you dress up, Tosh? I I I I am a I pick and choose. So like today was Decades Day, and I have my 1981 Jimmy Buffett Coconut Telegraph yeah. shirt on. Yeah. So um, tomorrow is we wear pink and sparkles for underclassmen, sure. and it's uh, Ken and Barbie Day for the upperclassmen. Nice. So I don't own own anything pink. I own a shirt that has pink. That's the Hockey Fights Cancer shirt. So I'll probably wear that tomorrow. So where, but, where was the Walter White photo taken from? Was that a dress up day? That was a Halloween. Oh, okay. Well, that's coming up here soon yeah. as well. That's coming up. Yeah. I, I'll have to pull out the hat for <laughs> Halloween and uh, dress up as Walter White oh, one again. Of the great. Kids get a kick out oh, of that. Yeah, I love that. That's a great call. <laughs> yeah. In fact, I, I usually have kids, kids stop me in the hall who've never had me and say, hey, you know, you look like when I don't dress up, you know, you look like that guy from Breaking Bad. I like, oh, you mean you mean that poster in my room right there? Look, like, do you really oh, have one? I do. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. What, like the movie poster? Yeah, it says, I am the one who knocks. Oh, that is so good. I love so, that. yeah, homecoming week is fun. It's a good time for, for a lot of kids. And uh, it's even though you, you might not get as much done as you would like to as, as far as uh, teaching, it, there's always teachable moments with it. So, well, I am... Never forgetting one thing, and I think Tash, you're going to agree with me on on this, and that's uh, that's our editor Taylor. So he, <laughs> um, I, I hope everybody likes the new cast. We're doing some stuff on YouTube. Um, we keep coming up with more ideas, throwing it at Taylor that were never necessarily part of the initial vision, but uh, we're kind of developing this whole. <laughs> What what is this thing vision and and Taylor bought into that idea and for that I myself I know you are super super grateful yeah. to him so I'm literally never forgetting this experience because it's been it's been awesome to try to figure out how to make a develop a podcast a lot like officiating yeah. you know everybody sits in the stands and thinks oh that's easy you know it's just like that it's, with this it's like you don't just sit and and try to do something and we're we're probably bad at this but i tell you what every <laughs> single person says that the the production and the um you oh, know, yeah. um the the sound if they're if they're skipping that's completely on my end that's my equipment that's not that's not uh taylor um but it's it that is yeah. really good the music you know how he was able to incorporate Digstown music into it and just really you right. know you and I are, are we're super proud of this podcast we're we're having fun developing it we're yeah. 
you know, fourteenth episode. Fourteenth episode, right? We're we're into this, so right. yeah. He he's he's been able to make two boneheads sound actually halfway decent. Yeah. So yeah, big shout out to Taylor. Yeah, we we definitely uh, appreciate everything that he Preach, does. Yes. Hey, NoosaCast listeners, we hope you enjoyed today's episode. Uh, We'd really appreciate it to have you come and hit our socials, uh, hit Spotify, wherever you get your iTunes. Uh, That helps us out a lot, and we really appreciate that. But also, if you like that throwback, tune in on Sunday to our YouTube channel, and you can check out the full throwback interview. Thanks for listening to the NoosaCast. We appreciate your support. If you haven't yet subscribed, please do so and tell a friend. A huge thanks to Digstown for all the music in today's episode. Catch a gig or find them on Spotify. Northeastern Wisconsin Sports Advancement is a 501c3 organization. Our mission is to raise money, provide support, and create awareness for youth sports organizations in northeastern Wisconsin. We do this primarily through the Red Smith Sports Award Banquet and the NoosaCast. Each year, we give back to the community through three initiatives, the Every Kid Plays, the Gives Back Initiative, and scholarships to student-athletes.